everybody. Welcome back to Monster Baby, a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. My name is Ted DeMaison. And I am Lisa Rowland, and we are your hosts of this podcast. We are congenial hosts. Even. Congenial even. I mean, welcome. Really, really We welcome. really mean it. Yeah. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> uh, let's see. This is our episode number 22, and the topic is courage. Courage. C-O-U-R-A-G-E. That's right. Courage. Uh, and we just talk about it. It was a fun kind. It was a. I liked it. It kind of roamed around as as they do. And we just talked about what what courage really means and what situations demand courage of us and how we might cultivate that courage. Yeah, and then we talked some about uh, about vulnerability and uncertainty and what you know. What does the word courage mean? Yeah. How does it show up in in these traditions that we're so fond of? Yeah. And. Um, how does it how do the things that we choose to do or take on develop courage that we can apply elsewhere yeah so i quite liked it i it 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 left me feeling like i was excited to go make courageous choices nice i think i'm in the same boat yeah so that's exciting we might have very exciting things to report on next next episode (laughs) Dun, dun. All of our, dun, dun. all of our courageousness. Stay tuned, so you too might get amped up, but you'll be able to tell us after you listen. So that's right. Here you go. Enjoy the ride, and uh, see you we'll on the talk, flip side. Talk to you soon. Ted, how are you doing today? You know what's funny is that. I was thinking yesterday about the way we ask each other, how are you? Mm-hmm. No, it was it was today because I stopped and picked up burritos for us before the podcast, the mm-hmm. pre-burrito podcast, the PBP. No, pre-podcast, pre-podcast burrito, PPB, PPB, the PPB. I picked up a PPB. Great. And there was a apparently homeless guy outside, sitting outside the store. And I saw him, and as I was getting out of the car, I was thinking about... Am I going to say anything to this guy or not? And how it felt awkward. And then I thought, well, what am I going to say? How are you? And I was like, that's not... (laughs) (laughs) That's what came to mind. I said, hey, how's how's it going? Yeah. How you doing? And then I thought, that's not really the right thing to say. But then I thought, well, how often do we really mean it? So now you're asking me, how am I? And you really mean it. I mean it. So uh, in general, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All that is to say, I'm fine. What's going down with you? What's going down with me? I leave for, I'm leaving on a big, big trip on Wednesday. Mm. I'm going to Singapore for 10 days or so, and then Thailand for a week. And so getting ready to travel is going on with me. You're getting ready to stamp a few more Asian nations in your passport. That's right. Stamp my, yeah, sure. <laughs> Get the Asian nations stamps. Asian in your nation, pa- yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We're gonna get Asianated. You, uh, <laughs> Asianation. I'll have a um, a latte grande with uh, some half and half, and I, can I get that Asianated, please? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't even know. Maybe it's like a, got a jade plant in it. Soy sauce. A little Buddha drawn in foam on the top. Um, yeah. So I'm getting ready to go and thinking about the things that need to be done before I am ready to go, which is, which are significant. Significant. They're they're legion. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. They, they are several. Oh, not Legion. I don't think so. They're Legion just, feels a little bit too much. 
Like I got a pack and clean my apartment. That doesn't really feel legion. Oh, when you said pack, I thought you meant like a group of animals. They're not legion. I've got a pack. I've got a pack of things a that I need things. to do. Yeah. Got a cluster. So that that that's how I. But I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good today, and I feel I feel like it'll get done. So that's my that's my deal. More okay. travel. Okay. More travel. Lisa Rowland. Ted Baby's own. Talk to me about courage. Speak to me of courage. Right. So. Well, what do you want to know? <laughs> Ask me a better question. <laughs> uh, well, here's the deal. Yeah. We've decided to talk about courage today. Yeah. And when you mentioned it, I jumped on it. I thought, yes, I definitely want to talk about that because yeah. it feels like a huge component mm-hmm. of both improvisation and mindfulness mm-hmm. and not one that people necessarily associate with mindfulness. I think most people, when they hear the word improv... They think comedy, and they think, "Oh my God, I'd have to stand up in front of people." Right. And and I routinely get the get the response, "Oh my God, you're so brave." Yeah, I had to. I was uh, about to do an improv and mindfulness workshop last weekend at a Buddhist center in Saint Petersburg, Florida, and I was there for the morning sit. And at the end of the sit, the woman who was coordinating it said, "This is Ted, and he's leading a workshop this afternoon. It's a mindfulness and improv workshop," and I kind of felt the air go out of the room and she said is there anything you want to say Ted and I said yeah I just want to acknowledge improv usually people think of stand-up comedy that's not what we're doing and there was this people relaxed and then a couple people came up to me afterwards and said I wasn't going to sign up because I was so nervous I thought it was going to you know and I said great so yeah there is this association with improv but not so much usually with mindfulness and yet I think it's hugely important and then I think there are also other interesting avenues to explore with it. Yeah, why did it light you up? Did it, like, what What seems juicy about it to you? Other than that seems like it's probably a fertile conversation. Like, what what, what, grab, what hooks you about it? Yeah, it's partly because um, it's, some, it's a quality that I want to have more of myself. Mm. I think that oftentimes people think I am very courageous with certain things. And in other places other parts of my life I feel not at all courageous and yet there's a um, there's a very poetic power to that word for me how do you define it courage that's a great question well so the root of the word courage is core like heart right so I think of it as um, a willingness to be vulnerable mm a willingness to be present and active in the face of vulnerability mm-hmm. or in the face of fear. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like opening one's heart and saying, yep, I'm going to let you see what's here. And my heart is now exposed, could be hurt. Right. So I feel more courageous emotionally and conversationally than I do physically. Like you won't take as big physical risks, but you'll Correct. but you'll let people see you. Correct. Yeah. And if there were somebody attacking me physically, I'm not the kind of guy who'd be, you know, like stand up and be like, bring it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. No, I'll, I'll try to I'll do my best to avoid that. So I don't feel particularly courageous in that regard. Mm-hmm. And yet some people are amazed at some of the things I'm able to do in terms of raising a question. Or telling somebody how I feel about something. Or... Being honest. Being honest. Yeah. Just acknowledging what's happening. Yeah. 
Um, so I think it's a growth place for me. So that's part of why it's exciting. So this is interesting because I just recently led a retreat about courage. It was a retreat for women. And the courage was the theme. And it was all about what are the things that are keeping you from doing what you want to do? Get those out of the way. And so there were many different pieces of courage that we, that we talked about. But we defined courage as the, the willingness or ability to take action in the face of fear or uncertainty. Okay. So you are willing to move forward even though you are facing uncertainty and therefore fear or discomfort. Yeah. Right? So in the face of discomfort or uncertainty and therefore fear, in my mind, I think those are the things that we fear, you are still willing to, to make a move. Which is why there's a part of me that's like, I don't buy it when people say you're so brave for doing improv. Because I'm like, I'm not, it's not uncomfortable for me. For you, it's not uncomfortable. <laughs> for me, right. it's not uncomfortable. Yep. So for you, it would be very brave to do improv. But for me, it's like, I recognize that there's a risk that we fail, but that's okay. I've learned mm -hmm. that that's okay. Mm -hmm. So that's not, that is no longer the, the thing that takes courage from me. Do you feel vulnerable when you do improv? Yes. So this is interesting. I feel vulnerable. I will, I will say, I'll tell you a story, which is I remember playing with someone, with an improviser who, this was years ago, but I was in a show with them and there was a moment where I, we, it was like a love scene. We were falling in love Okay. and I was going with it, just really playing the moment. And this person made some comp, like a gag to the, that made the audience laugh mm. that was totally uncommitted. It was totally uncommitted. It was, so it was not, I, this person did not meet me there right, right. and I was so angry. I felt so angry because I was like, you abandoned me is how it felt. Like you abandoned me out there. I was going for it. Like I was letting myself go there with, under, with the understanding that you would meet me there and then you didn't. And I felt betrayed. Mm. And so the reason that I say that is because I don't, I don't know that I, I don't have that feeling of like, oh God, I'm being vulnerable. But when somebody doesn't meet me there, I realize how vulnerable I'm allowing myself to be. And if you don't come with me, then it's like, how dare you? Then I get, I, it, it really reveals where I've allowed myself to go un, with the understanding, right. with the contract that you'll go there with me. And interesting that your response to that betrayal anger. is anger rather than hurt or uh, fear. Yeah, no, I was angry. How mm. dare you? Right. I was like, really? And I was like, we, this is, this is what we owe each other. Like this is, yeah, yeah. we promise each other. This is the, the contract that we make is that we're going to go there together. That we're in this for the same thing. And you just left me out to dry. You know, like this is what it felt like. It was not yeah. nearly that dramatic. I don't think anybody in the audience would have, it wasn't like a, like it, one of those moments where it's like everybody gets what just happened and it's like right. horrible, but it, that's what it felt like to me. Just so, very, the strength of that was very interesting. Yeah, so would you see what you were doing in that moment as being brave? I mean, the, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is if we add in the word vulnerability to the definition that you were using yeah. at the retreat, does your doing improv become brave? I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like it doesn't feel that way to you. It doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you did something that you felt was... That you, courageous. That you felt courageous, that you felt like you were being brave or courageous. 
Yeah, well, a little bit of, so I was in, uh, I was on a cruise in the Caribbean last week, and we stopped at an island uh, off of Honduras, and I went out in a cab by myself with this guy to explore the island. With like another cruise goer? Nope. The cab driver? With the cab driver. Oh, that's only, who this Only guy with is. the cab driver. Yeah, the cab okay. driver is this guy. His name is Mike. And so you get off the boat and it, you know, thousands of people are getting off the boat. And so this whole thing is, they're selling diamonds and there's all these fancy stores with fancy clothes and, and cheap knickknacks. And you have to walk through this gauntlet to get out onto the main street. But then when you get out, there are, you know, 20 vendors of tours who are just all like, hey, sir, sir, come talk to me, come talk to me. And you're completely overwhelming. I just kind of looked around and I made eye contact with one of the vendors who was not doing that. And he just seemed really grounded. So I walked up to him and I just struck up a conversation. And we were going back and forth between Spanish and English. And clearly he spoke both. He was a, a guy of African descent. Mm -hmm. As it turns out, most of the people on this island are. Without comparing and talking to other vendors, I decided to go with him. Mm -hmm. And so it was a bit of a risk. I'm like, I could be getting fleeced or I don't know. I, I don't know if this guy's trustworthy. I'm just going on my intuition. Um, but I decided to trust it and go with it. So, yeah, there was definitely uncertainty. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of fear and some vulnerability. Like, I'm in here, I'm a relatively or at least apparently wealthy American, and I'm putting myself in the hands of a, a guy, and he's taking me out of this regular staging area, and we're walking out into the parking lot, and he was going to have me go with his brother, and then his brother wasn't available, so then he said, well, I'll just take you. So now we seem to be operating outside the system. So it just felt like a few question marks. Mm -hmm. um, but it turned out to be awesome. Yeah. And I had a tour, a five-hour tour that went to his, we went to visit his brothers and we went to these houses and places where people don't ever go. Mm -hmm. He showed me his school where he went when he was in oh. second grade. So you had a little personal tour guide on the Absolutely, island. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And we were, again, talking Spanish, talking English. Yeah. And he told me about his father, who had been a fisherman, who had was killed off the coast of Nicaragua because he was fishing illegally, and the Nicaraguans were, you know, trying to gun down the Honduras. It was when Nicaragua and Honduras were at war. Oh, my God. Yeah, and he, he and his five siblings all got split up, and they, he told me all this story and how he had been a star uh, football soccer player and had a chance to go pro in the Honduras leagues and oh, he wow. missed his opportunity because he missed being on the island. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, it turned out to be great. And then he, he took me to a beach. We shared some chips and salsa and ceviche, and, you know, yeah. and it was all fine. But yeah, I guess that took some courage to, yeah. to do that. Uh, once I got into it, it felt fine. Yeah. But it was a measured risk. Uh-huh. So it wasn't sure, that, huge, but it, it took some courage. Well, that feels fine. I mean, there's a difference between courage and stupidity, like taking unmeasured risks, right? right? Being like, right. I don't, I'm not, I have no idea what the consequences could be. Like, yeah. that's, I'm not sure that yeah. unmeasured is a requirement for courage. And he, some of the risk, it would have been riskier and more courageous if he didn't speak any English. Right, right. I, and I still think it would have been fine. Yeah. But we went to... We went to pay his electric bill. <laughs> he like went on errands. Or yeah, whatever. we did. He had it. one errand that he had to do. And he's like, uh, you don't mind if I do that? I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. And so I went and stood in line 
while he was in the building. And, you know, you go in the building, and there's these armed guards outside, and, uh, you know, they're of, of Spanish Honduran descent. And so they're looking at me. I'm like totally gringoed out. I've got my, you know, flower pattern shirt, my floppy hat, my sunglasses, <laughs> your, my your white legs. <laughs> I'm totally, totally on my work of socks. And <laughs> so I'm standing there. And then I'm schmoozing with the, you know, the people coming up to pay their electric bill. Yeah. I'm and like, these guys are like, who is this yeah, who is clown? It? I figured I better say something to them to disarm their, like, who is this guy? Yeah. yeah. So I started speaking in Spanish to them, and then they kind of relaxed. And then we realized that we could speak English also. So Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Cool. It was really fun. I sent him a, I sent him a, I sent Mike a photo of the two of us and of us with his brothers. and Mike. What do you think his real name was? I think his real name is Mike. He's the only Mike on the island. That's when I met him. He said, I'm the only Mike on the island. I said, what are you talking about? He said, no, there's no other Mikes. <laughs> he said, I know them all. <laughs> his family is like, is it Dilbert? Is his last name? His name is Mike Dilbert? Yeah. Just uh, sounds like the whitest, most middle exactly, management. Exactly. Um, and yet, so not. Yeah. You know, and he... Uh, yeah, he had he had made a good decent life for himself with tourism. He had moved to the town on the island where the the cruise ships come in, and so yeah. he was able to make a decent life for himself. And he yeah. he has a kid that he loves and a girlfriend that he loves. And anyway, wow, cool. So that's that's kind of where courage can take us. Yeah. Do you have an example where you you mm-hmm. felt you were courageous recently? Well, the two examples that come to mind are I totally agree on the dating front. Like dating, getting back into dating was really hard for me for whatever reason. It like activated all sorts of oh god, like insecurities and mm-hmm. and and I have managed to get over it. So now it doesn't feel scary. But when I started, I had to like grit my teeth and do it. Just like do it. I know you're not going to like it. But just do it, <laughs> you know, like, and by do it, I meant like, I started, made dating profiles and like got into the online yeah. s- system. And so now I feel, now I feel fine about that because I've, I've worked with my feelings inside that process, but, but getting started took a lot of, and I had to like reach out for help and things like that. I would like call my sister and I was like, I need you to sit down with me while I make this profile. She's like, Okay. I'll sit down with you. Let's do this. It was great. Rock to lean on. It was great. It was just like, I need somebody here. I don't even need you to help me. I just need you to be here so that I do it. I've I've gotten better at asking for the right kind of help. That's something that I've gotten Mm. better at. But the other thing that I'm remembering being really scared to do and doing anyway, the last time my heart was racing about something, was accompanying myself on a song at my birthday party, which I think we've talked about on the podcast that I had this birthday party where I threw a concert yeah we did mention it for myself and one of the songs i played i accompanied myself on the guitar and i going into it i was like oh this will be fun and i'll be it'll be the kindest audience ever because it'll be everybody that i know and who knows me and, and who loves you yeah yeah but i but doing it like getting up there and oh man when i put that guitar on i was like so so nervous hmm. So nervous. I don't know that that's courage. Maybe it's courage to to agree to do it and be like, right? It's just an interesting question. Like, and what's the nervousness even about, right? Because, yeah. like you said, you know these people are going to love you, and you know you're a performer, and yeah. So Kara, who I work with a lot, says, 
Nervousness is a human response. This is not about how well prepared you are or what the stakes actually are. You're going to get nervous. Okay. She's like, the best prepared people in the world get nervous, right? Olympic athletes get nervous. And yeah, there are stakes to, there are stakes to that, I suppose. But even things that we all know there are no stakes to make us nervous. So I think maybe nervousness happens to different degrees for different people, but not necessarily because there's a good reason for it, but it's because we're humans and, yeah. and our rational brain is not in charge of that nervousness response. Our, our reason doesn't make us nervous. Our like primitive like limbic system makes us nervous. It's like yeah, I unconscious. Get, you know? Again, I I just I think there's some link between or that vulnerability is connected to this. Yeah. Oh, we, I do too. We wouldn't have any reason to be nervous if we weren't vulnerable. If we didn't in some think way. we were taking a risk of some sort. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so in that situation, you're sharing with your people that you care about something that's not polished. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that's not something that you usually show people when you're performing. Right, uh, and so they're going to get to see a rawness, or a, you know, I'm a beginner. I'm a beginner. Yeah. yeah, it's so fascinating to me because this, as a, I've been teaching improv stuff, improv and mindfulness, the essential lesson of starting with relationship to failure is so crucial. Maybe our first episode, way back when, was about that. Because it just gets in the way. Yeah. You know, it so gets in the way. And if we allow ourselves to mess up, then all of a sudden we can be courageous. Mm-hmm. We take the sting out of that vulnerability, like, oh, I'll be vulnerable. I'll just say what's here. Along those lines, I've been really enjoying the game Three Things, which we've also played several times on the podcast. But for me, this is the the improv game par excellence right now because I just want to I always want to play it I always want to do it because it just is building this muscle of willingness to say something Mm. to do something Mm -hmm. in a surprising moment you know just here it is boom here's a category what do I how do I fill it Mm -hmm. and to get those neurons linked up in the brain and in the heart to be able to say I'm going to I'm going to let myself be seen yeah you know here's the stimulus from the world I'm going to let myself be seen here we go. Yeah. So so this is interesting because so three things, you have a turn. I give you three things you've got to answer. So that so there so that's the process there. I'm just thinking there's there's another mode which is I am a tree because in my mind I am a tree is like the improv game mm-hmm. to end all improv games because it has everything in it, I think, aside from ball. Ball, ball <laughs> is like crown zero. But but I am a tree, which is a which is a game in which people are creating stories in the middle of a circle. So one person goes in and says, "I am a tree," and then anybody else in the circle can go in and add to that story. I am a wrapped present under the tree, and somebody else can go in and say, "I am a star on top of the tree." And then once there's three things in that story, whoever was first take takes one of those uh, second elements uh, back to the circle leaving one behind and then the story starts again so somebody in this case the the tree, tree will say the, i'll take the present and then the other one left behind says i am a star i am a star and now somebody says i am a a manger i am an ass i don't <laughs> i don't mean an ass yeah a donkey do i'm you, a donkey do you actually use the word ass when you mean donkey when I'm talking about the nativity scene, yeah. Really? Like... <laughs> I think that's very funny. I am a burro. Okay. 
soy burrito. <laughs> no, not burrito, but so, anyway. But the thing that, I think that the dynamic that that gets at, which I find interesting, is that nothing says you have to go now. Right. So it takes this extra bit of courage because you are getting yourself into the game mm-hmm. when you could let somebody else get into the game instead. Yes. Right? By which I mean, when you're standing on that circle and there's one thing out there and somebody on the circle has got to go in and add to it, it's really easy to fade into the background until you have a good idea. Right. And that I, the, it's a different kind of courage, I guess, to practice moving into that uncertainty of your own accord. Mm-hmm. making yourself go mm-hmm. not because you have to because it's your turn in fact that's one of the ways that we make games less scary is that we take turns right yes it's like now it's your turn now it's your turn now it's, we're going to go down the circle so you know when you've got to go in and it's not up to you and there's something different about when it's up to you can you step in can you step in yeah can you move into that void voluntarily knowing you're taking a risk by by getting in there yes and then sometimes even expanding that to say don't just step in when don't consider whether it's your turn or not. Just step in. But there's also a, even before any idea comes, step, step in and in? see what emerges as you're walking into that space to become something. Right. So really taking the risk of taking a step without yeah. an idea. You yeah. have no, no reason to believe that you're going to have something once you're in there. Unless you're like me, who has years of, or you, right, who has years of experience, and it's, both of us know that if we take a step without an idea, we're going to have one when we get in there. So it's not that scary. Anymore. Anymore. Yeah, and there's something about, I still want to keep building those muscles and it, uh, and getting better and yeah. better about willing to, what is there? When I'm asked a question or when someone someone says, how are you? And they really mean it, like... Rather than filtering my response, mm-hmm. what if I just say, oh, today I'm sad. Yeah. Or, oh, today I'm really frustrated. Yeah. Or, today I'm excited and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. To just share that this is, this is what's true. Yeah. You know? And so I'm wanting, I just wanting to get that better and better. Yeah. This is my improv game par excellence du jour. I want to. I want to just play this game over and over and over again, and just get better at at being. Do you feel like the thing that this? Do you feel like this takes courage? This game takes courage. I feel like it builds it. Why? Because it builds a willingness to say what's there, and that takes courage. Yeah. Do you feel like it? You often have an idea that you're not willing to say, mm. and so that is the extra that. Are you still fighting that urge to to filter yeah. what you're okay? What you what comes to you, thus requiring courage to express the thing that's there. I don't think I do that. I don't think I fight it as much when I'm playing the game three things. Yeah. But I think that the game three things is building the muscle for other situations, like in an improv scene, uh-huh. when I don't know what is the next thing to do. But now because I've been building this muscle, I'm willing to go in there, like as in I am a tree. I'm willing to step on stage and. Find out. Have something. And just see what arrives. Yeah. Uh, I was at a student show last night up at BATS. And uh, lovely players. This is a group who had been in their third round of performance classes. And some of the times it was painfully slow. People on stage just not saying anything. And I wanted to, I wanted to just jump up and say, just... Say something. Yeah. Just do it. You know, it's fine. Anything. Anything, anything at all. Right, because you know that that slowness is 
is based in the fear of not saying the right thing. Yeah. Being careful. Yeah. And I want to say, let yourself mess up. Just mess up gloriously. Yeah. You know, say something that's completely, let it be completely off the mark. Who yeah. knows? And then you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, I feel like the, maybe some of the biggest lessons that improv can give me about courage. And I, I really credit Patricia with this. This idea of improv trains us. I mean, to... just you were saying Patricia Ryan Madsen, yes, author of Improv Wisdom, author of Improv Wisdom, whom we had on the podcast, teacher of ours, yeah. Okay. One of the things that improv trains us in is the growing belief that we have what we need. Mm-hmm. So it's not about not preparing for things, but honing, practicing, living with this belief that when I get there, I'm going to have what I need because I have attention and I have resourcefulness. And I have a willingness to say what's there. I have a willingness to be obvious. I have a willingness to ask good questions and partners notice things. have partners who are doing the same thing. Partners who are doing the same thing, although I mean in life. So okay. so not when I'm on the stage I with see. improvisers who are partners, All right. but, but, but your partner is the world. So like when you get there, I believe I'm going to have what I need. Yeah. If I do the work that I can do, right, if I do put in my due diligence on, you know, preparing for whatever it is, a job interview or a class or a workshop, and then... And then you've got to let go of that thing because you can't prepare for every instance, but but show up with the belief that you've got what you need is a pretty powerful yeah is a pretty powerful lesson. And and the repeated I think one of the th- cool things about improv is that it gives you repeated exposure to situations where that is true. Mm-hmm. So you get you get demonstrations and of it. you get demonstrations and evidence that oh yeah I did I wasn't totally ready but this worked out okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe I didn't need to be as ready as I thought I needed to be in yeah. order to you know. And I love I love the process of taking that growing confidence or courage and then like a rising tide extending it out to the edges of my life where I'm not courageous mm-hmm. or where I'm less courageous like okay so let me let me use this. Try this out here now. Yeah. Let me ask somebody an uncomfortable question that's some information that I really want to know. Yeah. Or let me go have a conversation with somebody in my family who has different political be- beliefs than I do. Mm-hmm. Let me let go of this failure. Yeah. Let me let go of this not working the way I wanted it to. Right. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So, so I have, what is my so tough? No, I was going to ask you. Uh, oh, what mindfulness has to say about courage? That's right. Oh, I was going to hop on that question first. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, let's see. I think in some ways, mindfulness, similarly to improv, defangs discomfort. Like mindfulness provides us with a tool to handle discomfort, which is to not fight it, mm-hmm. which I think is the most valuable tool to mm-hmm. handle discomfort. Is like, that's okay that I'm uncomfortable. Like, I just know I don't have to do anything about it. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to get out of it. I don't need to run away from it. I'm uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable. I've got an itch. Or my legs hurt. Right? In sitting. It takes away some of the fear, I think, of discomfort. When it's like, that's okay. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've been uncomfortable before. I'll I'll make it through through, discomfort. That's not going to end me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it, it takes away some of the... I think we don't even ask ourselves what we're afraid of. But if you ask yourself and it's like, well, I'm afraid it'll hurt or I'm afraid it'll be, that'll be really awkward. And then it's like, well, okay, so say it's awkward. You'll be a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You've been un- uncomfortable. You can handle that. So it like deconstructs the fear. Yeah. Mindfulness practice can 
can... Well, I think d- if I like you, you are willing you... to de- deconstruct the fear, the mindfulness practice gives you tools for handling that, then right. the, those, those composite pieces. Yeah, I love that word you use, defang. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, here's this rawr, monster, and you're just like, let me just take those teeth out. I'm like... Yeah. It's a gummy monster. It's now. funny. I, I first heard that... <laughs> Gummy monster. I heard that phrase first, defang the cobra. It comes from Patricia, who said this was a way that improvisers would fix problems immediately upon when they would come up. They would just like neutralize the problem and it took all the stakes away from a scene. So when Mm -hmm. something really did show up and they just find a solution for it right away, it's like you're defanging the cobra. We don't want to defang the cobra. Like let the cobra be scary. Handle it. Respond like a human being. Don't be like, oh, cobra's... I'm... I'm part cobra, so it's fine. So it right. doesn't it doesn't matter that there's this menace here. Taking the stakes away by taking the snakes away. Oh, yes. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah. Well, so this is a case where we're saying that defanging is good. It's a good thing. That's right. It's a good thing. I just wanted to. I love that image. Expound on that. There is a, there is a way that noticing our thoughts and our fears allows us to. Or our discomforts gives us space so they don't have to cause this turmoil. They don't have to drive us. Yeah. For me, it's um, the courage in mindfulness or the way that mindfulness develops courage is to say, I'm willing to face what is. I'm willing to put down my distraction or put down my hesitation and get in there and be like, okay, what's really going on? And yeah, there's there's a vulnerability in that. Right. And so even to acknowledge to myself, oh, this is what I'm really feeling. It takes a step. It takes a, a, a an engagement or a, a risk to do that. And, uh, you know, most people think of like mindfulness as escaping. You know, I'm going to escape from the world and and soothe away all my problems. I think, no, no, not. It's quite the reverse. It's going deeper into the world. It's going deeper into it. Yeah. It's saying this is what is true. This is what is real. And these are the... I'm taking away the illusions that I've been holding on to to keep myself protected. And when I strip those away, now I'm left with this, oh, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is how I've been. These are the ways that I've hurt people I love. Or these are the ways that I'm uh, not being who I want to be. Yeah. Now what? So are you saying that, so, and courage factors into that. I mean, clearly I think sometimes it takes a lot of courage to be willing to... Face yourself. Mm-hmm. And are you saying that mindfulness encourages... Encourages. Yeah, literally, it yeah. Cu- it cultivates courage because the given mindset that you have in a mindfulness practice is, I'm willing to see this. And that in itself is a courageous act. Is that what you mean? That That is one part of it. And I think the other is a maybe a striking parallel to what you were just talking about with improv of getting the reassurance of when I sit and I face that, when I strip away those illusions and I'm left with what's real, I'm still here. It's still okay. It's still okay. Yeah. Uh, And life is happening and I'm breathing, right? And so, oh, okay, well, maybe now I can face this bigger challenge. Maybe I can face this bigger one. Maybe I can create more and more spaciousness around what's hard Uh or what's good. You know, sometimes it's it's having the courage to actually enjoy something that we love. Or to admit that. Uh-huh. You know. I just, I love the word tenderness. You know, I used to do an exercise with the kids in my classes where we would 
talk about, we would develop a feelings vocabulary. And I'd divide them into five groups, and each of the groups had a poster board, and they had to write down all the synonyms they could think of, or all the words they could think of, uh, that went with words at the top. And the words at the top were mad, sad, glad, scared, afraid, and tender. Hmm. And the tender was always the one that surprised the kids. But to find words that were about tenderness that were maybe had some sadness involved or maybe had some joy, happiness some involved. happiness yeah. involved, but, um, but it had this different quality to it. And uh, I loved going there with them. But I, I just think that tenderness is what allows us to connect with other people. You know, to really, truly connect, to say, I, you are seeing me and I am seeing you mm -hmm. with defenses down. And then maybe we put the defenses back up to be able to go on with our lives. But like in that moment, a real connection, that's what tenderness is. That's what vulnerability is. And that's why intimacy takes courage. Mm -hmm. You know? got to let yourself be seen. That's right. And so, yeah, I think that a mindfulness practice helps us build the ability to do that because we go in, we acknowledge to ourselves, take a breath, and we're still here, and we can come back out. Yeah, All right, I could do that. Mm -hmm. Now let me try doing that with somebody else. Yeah. 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 So in some ways, it's exactly the same as yes. what improv does. Y yes. Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like gives you an opportunity to practice doing a scary thing and realizing you're okay on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also gives you the skill to go into something difficult and come back out of it. Now, this is where having a partner or a friend or a colleague who is also a mindfulness practitioner can really help. So, for example, I recently uh, had a friendship that we were exploring whether or not we want to be romantically connected. And we took the risk of going together on a trip, a short trip. And it was like, oh, this, in years past, I would have thought, this could get messy. I, you know, I could see this really kind of exploding and then being like, oh my God, I'm stuck with this person for days. But because this person is also a mindfulness practitioner and we had evidence in our friendship of being able to sort through stuff, I actually was quite comfortable knowing that if any, whatever came up on this trip, we'd be able to sort it out. Yeah. And as it turned out, we did. Mm -hmm. You know, and it turned out not to be really romantic. But we had a great time. Yeah. You know, we had a few bumps and tricky spots, but we just came back and checked in. So what's true for you? What's true for me? Oh, I can see this. Is this going on for you? Oh, hmm. -hmm. Yeah. And we just sorted it through. So it gives you a processing tool to get into stuff. Yeah. You know, to, to go places where you wouldn't otherwise go. Right. Because you know you can handle it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It's like the world will take care of us. The world will have things to offer. And then we have things to offer each other. Yeah. I think there's a, well, there's a mindset in improv that I think points toward courage. Mm -hmm. And there's two parts to it. And the first one is go into the cave. Mm -hmm. Which is like, you got to go do what scares you. Tell the story. Is that why we go into the cave? Well, going to the cave means a couple of things. Like, so the, the, the story is that 
if you put two improvisers playing characters who are standing at the mouth of a cave, they'll find they'll their instinct will tell them to find all sorts of reasons to not go into the cave. Talk about what's in the cave, talk about what might be in the cave, make guesses about what's in the cave, and then, oh, we should probably go home. <laughs> so they just we will have never to go into the cave. Preparations and... Yeah, yeah, never actually go into that unknown place. In, in improv storytelling, go into the cave means get to it. Go to the place where you're okay. not sure what happens next. Get, like, get into that unknown bit. Go, go toward the... Go follow the heat even though you're not sure what's in there. Right. It'll make the adventure happen. Yeah. Go get, get there. Yeah. And the figurative and personal connotation for me is what's your cave like go you gotta you can stand there like going to the cave is like go 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 where it's scary and unsure that's kind of you owe it to yourself mm. as your own scene partner in life to go into the cave so if you've got a little something that scares you i found that improv helped me <laughs> helped me see fear as an indicator of where i ought to be going so mm. when things came up for me like uh, an opportunity to teach at a level that I did not feel qualified to teach. The first time I was invited to teach long form. And I was like, I don't, me? Mm. I can't, I don't know how to, what do you, I don't know. I don't know how I would do, I'm not sure that I am qualified. But I remember being like, Lisa, you're scared. So do it. <laughs> so how come? What makes you say, if it's something that you're afraid of, you ought to do it. Because I think that fear is gen unless it's fear for your bodily safety. Mm -hmm. I think fear is generally a poor reason not to do something. I don't. I don't want to live my life driven by fear. Mm. Now I recognize that that sounds like well, if you're driven to do something by fear, isn't fear still driving you? <laughs> like, if I'm, gotta do it because I'm afraid, so, ah, like, go face right. your fears. But I, maybe it goes back to the, you know, you your regret the things you don't do, not the things that you do, for mostly. I have a general belief that I want to amass as many experiences that I as I can, and that my mm -hmm. life is a pretty fully lived life, and I want it to be that way, which is why I love traveling, and it's why I love opportunities to try new stuff and learn new skills, and and, you know, go into new groups of people and communities and things like that is because I, I my basic bias is like more of more of different yeah. kinds of experiences is a good thing. And if fear is keeping me from living those kinds of experiences, that's a stupid reason. Hmm. Unless the fear, I mean, the, the skill then is to figure out, is it fear of discomfort or does this cross a line of personal Kind of like, is, right. this is this cross a personal wisdom. boundary? Is it wisdom? Yeah. Is it like, no, there's a reason why some instinct, instinctive part of you doesn't want you to do this. And it's not just, ooh, I'm nervous. But I have, I have come to be able to recognize when it's one and when it's the other with just a little bit of sitting with it of like, oh no, this is, this is just, I'm afraid of getting pushed out of my yeah. Comfort zone. I'm afraid if I go to this thing, it's going to be hard or awkward or strange. Right. Or I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to impress people. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. And that is not a reason not to do something. So in that case, it's almost, it becomes almost a positive indicator. Yeah. It's like a little boundary marker, a little flashing light. Yeah. And you say, oh, good, interesting. Go into this the is cave. A, this is a place I can expand my repertoire. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Follow, follow the fear. Mm-hmm. So there, that, that's one. And then the second part of improv that I think cultivates positive pieces of fear is this, let's try it. This sort mm -hmm. of play, don't talk. Mm -hmm. Do something. Don't talk about doing something. Mm -hmm. Try it. Don't tell us what we're going to learn from it. Like, mm -hmm. just go, just do it. Just get in there. This sort of 
play before you talk, do before you do, before you discuss. And so it it creates this a bias toward action. Mm-hmm. It, it creates this, like, I've got an idea. Uh, I'm more likely to take a step toward that idea. Like, I'm just remembering when I wanted to build this shelf in my kitchen. Mm. Did I tell you about this? You told me that you were building a shelf in your kitchen, but... It's up and it's beautiful. Okay. You can look at it. Was it terrifying? It. Did you have to move through some fear? Not terrifying, but I, but I had to move towards something that I didn't know how to do. Yeah. And so this idea of like, well, I'm never going to just know how to build a shelf. So what's the thing I could do now? Well, go to a hardware store. So I went to a hardware store and I said, I want to build a shelf. And they said, well, we don't, we don't cut, we don't cut wood the size that you want, but go to this place. So I was like, okay. So I like walked down to the discount builders, discount supply builders and was like, here's what I want to do. And I don't know how to do it. Tell, what do you think I need? to do this. I like showed them a picture of my kitchen and where I wanted it. And it's like, I think that I want to paint it. And I think I, I think I, and I want it to go here. How do I do it? And he's like, well, you're going to need this and you're going to need this and you'll want, you'll want to do this and you'll need some of this. And so I just got the things and, and then I got them home. And then I was like, okay, mm. now yeah. <laughs> figured out, I called my dad at one point and I was like, Hey, do I need to drill a hole in the Love thing it. before I screw a thing into it? Like, so it was just kind of well, don't wait until you have the whole thing. Just begin. And mm-hmm. that, I think that's a part of courage as well. Of like, you got to move boldly into the unknown. Mm. You can't ever have it all figured out. So yeah. what's just a thing you could do now to get yourself to move the needle a little closer to the right. thing that you want? Right. I love that experimentation. I don't know. Let's try it. Let's go. And it's not going to be the most efficient process, but I gave up on living my life efficiently a very long time ago. Yeah. Like, it's not how I work. <laughs> It's not, efficiency I'm not going your... to fight with myself to become the most, you know, a paragon of efficiency. It's like, I don't, so it's okay with me if I experiment around and waste some time and you're more profligate with like, like yeah. a tree in its seed. Yes. Just let it fall. Just let, let it, it go. Well, there's no guarantee that it's going to, that it's going to become a tree, Yeah. but it's how I work. Uh, well, now I'm interested to see your shelf. Well, you're going to love it because it's so, great. It's a great shelf. Soon I will see your, se- your shelf. Soon I will see your shelf. Yeah, my shelf, your shelf. Take care of you, my shelf. I've been taking better care of my shelf lately. <laughs> we all should take care of our shelves. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds like a tongue twister. Uh, I did something similar to that. Well, not building a shelf, but I was playing I Am a Tree with a group of doctors and at the end of a round of it, one of the doctors said, we should do this with the themes from our morning. Mm. We should start with the themes from our morning. And I said, great. Okay. Let's try it. Let's try it. And it got, it got deeper and more poignant. And we were talking about relationship to failure. And so relationship to failure with doctors is, you know, pretty thick, uh, treacherous territory. Uh, but it was really interesting. And then at the end, we had been playing sound ball where one person sends a sound and the other person honors it by receiving it, making the same sound and then sending a different sound to somebody else. And it just goes around, around the circle. And somebody suggested, why don't we play sound ball having to do with our retreat? And I said, Okay. I mean, they started getting more and more experimental. And, yeah. And I love when that stuff happens. Like, well, I don't know what that's going to happen. Yeah, great. Let's try it. Let's try it out. And 
And again, it was really poignant and it deepened what we were doing. And in years past, I would have resisted that. Mm. I said, no, 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 that's not, it's not the way the game works or that's not what we're doing. And now, you know, through years of teaching and playing improv, like, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. And the worst that happens is it doesn't do. It's not it doesn't, fun. Yeah. And then there are some times where it's like, well, no, we don't have time to have that experience. There are reasons to say, there are good reasons to say no. But again, it's, that, it's that, that skill that I think is so valuable to hone is, am I saying no because I just don't want to lose control? That's exactly <laughs> am it. Am I saying no because I fear that I'll be uncomfortable? It's just not a good enough reason to say no. It's like if I live my life avoiding discomfort. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just not compelling. Yeah. So that on my on my gravestone, it's like here lies Lisa. She lived a comfortable. She life. was really comfortable. She was comfortable. Okay. I mean, that's there, there's there are nice things about comfort. I'm happy that I am able to live a comfortable life. I'm happy that I'm right. It's like there are t- times right. where it's like yeah, I I do opt for comfort. On Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're comfortable in terms of your home and your food and your clothing. Yeah. But I, you know, it's like socially comfortable, right. emotionally comfortable. It's like I shouldn't be pushing myself to be a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, really recently, I thought the thing that I need to practice is being in groups of people where I don't know anyone. Mm. I was like, this would be a cool challenge for maybe when I get back from my trip. Because, he, oh, here's why. Here's what I was thinking. I heard this, this also came up on this courage retreat that I led, which was a story or a study that was done about a pottery class. Did I tell you this? You did not. A pottery class where half the group was told, really, d- take your time, but go for, really, really create quality pieces. And the other half was told, quality doesn't matter, make as many pieces as you can make. Just, just turn them out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how good they are. So you can make a bunch of shit pieces. And of course, what they found, as you might, as you might guess, is that the folks who were focusing on quantity and not quality made obviously more things and better quality things Mm -hmm. than the folks who are focusing on quality because they got practice. Mm -hmm. So then the question of, so what are your pots? Like, what are the pieces that you just need to get practice doing? And for some people, it's asking for things. And for some people, it's, you know... Mm. Uh, various things. But telling me, a story I was about like, themselves. Telling us, yeah, exactly. Share, mm-hmm. Sharing honestly about themselves. And I was like, what What would it be that would be interesting for me to just like do a lot of this? Mm-hmm. Like part of this whole dating thing, which is like big time on my radar right now, is like, yeah, online is great. So I guess the pots in that case are like right, sending people messages or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like get good at that part. Don't worry about whether they whether it turns into anything or mm-hmm. or dates, you know, first dates or something. But then I was like, but it'd be fun to meet new, to meet people in life as well. And how am I going to do that outside of my normal, my normal goings on? And I was like, well, what if I like deliberately tried to put myself in, in groups of people where I'm a stranger. And I tried to do that four times in a month. So what were like going to a bowling alley open night or like, yeah, like an organization, like a, like an organized, like go to a class of some sort where I don't know anyone or, uh. I don't even know. I didn't get that far. A library function? A policeman's ball? <laughs> a policeman's ball. That tops my the, list. The local spaghetti dinner at the church, at the Unitarian church? Yeah, you got it. You mm-hmm. got the kind of thing I'm thinking. Policeman's balls, library functions, and 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 spaghetti dinners at the Universal <laughs> you know West Church. I, you know what I've just exposed? You I've could. just exposed that I used to live in a small town <laughs> for 12 years. 
Poli- a policeman, Paul. That's all Northfield references. Northfield, Massachusetts. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Town of 3000. All those things sound like maybe they could have happened in like 1940 also. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's about Northfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, maybe not those exactly here in San Francisco. Those, but... are, those are my three things. I've just been vulnerable. <laughs> I like what's them. true. I like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, that'd be a fun... And, and sure. like a little, it would kick up a little bit of di- social discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. People don't know me here. They might not like me here. I might not know how to relate to them. This could be a waste of time. Like all of these things. As you were saying that, I was thinking about uh, that I've been imagining, I want to go to, I want to find a contra dance out here. So contra dance is kind of like square dancing or line dancing. It's an old New England form. And I did, used to do tons of it. And I did, I went when I was back visiting my family over the Christmas holidays when I was back in New England. And I thought, I should, there's got to be contra dancing in the Bay Area. There is. And I went 20 years ago, I think, down in Palo Alto at the YMCA and it was terrible. But I thought, I should go. But just as you were just talking just now, I'm thinking, yeah, and that's still something that I'm good at. So it doesn't, it's not as potent i think as going to some setting where i really don't know you know like if i went to an, an introduction to software coding oh God. function yeah never done it yeah you know and that would be well, like i was going to take a guitar class go sign up for a group great. class in guitar great love it meet a bunch of people i've never met before who are not who are not my people mm-hmm. yet i was gonna say yeah they might they might soon be yeah exactly Anybody might soon be my people, but not if I don't meet them. <laughs> there is a certain truism to that. You miss all the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Did... Oh, is it Wayne Gretzky? So that I was thinking Michael Jordan. No, I think it was. I think it was Wayne Gretzky. You miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't. Was take. it Abraham Lincoln? It was Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> I think it was Winston Churchill. <laughs> Pretty sure. Jesus didn't Jesus? It might say have been that? Jesus. <laughs> Could have been Jesus. You miss all the shots you don't take. <laughs> he, he was a great striker. Very well. Really. <laughs> really. Just get him front, in. Get him line. in the in shooting range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's a decent place for us to to stop with the words of Jesus. <laughs> with the words of in the words of Jesus, you <laughs> miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> so be courageous. That's in the Bible. Go find it. <laughs> <laughs> we found our new religion. Praise <laughs> Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord my shepherd. Amen. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. It's a pleasure, as always. And we'll see you next time. All righty. Ciao. Bye. All right. So that was episode 22. Episode number 22 on Courage. Thanks for thanks for listening. We hope you liked it. Yeah. What's... Uh... I'm curious, Lisa Roland, what's sticking with you? Oh, you know, I, I'm left with this feeling that the more chances you take, the more chances you identify to be taken. Mm. Like, I think that my gaze will get bigger on the world for possibilities that it could hold for me, the more I explore the possibilities that are there. So, like, courage begets courageousness. Yeah, courage, yeah, exactly. It's like once, it's like... Yeah, but I'm also really noticing that my cur- my courage, I realize, is very outward focused. Mm. And that 
like right now I'm like, oh, the world, so many possibilities out there, out in the world to practice courageousness. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe that's interesting. Maybe there's more opportunities right here. Interesting. Right here internally to practice some yeah. courageousness. And I think that's probably true. I'm struck with the ways that we were discussing that mindfulness and improv develop this courage muscle in general, which then we can apply to other arenas. And so I'm thinking about the ways I would really like to just be more willing to say what's on my mind or to say what I want with the risk that somebody might say no and they might not like me or they might think I'm inappropriate or they might something, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I really would like to rev up that improv muscle and then let it, you know, go in other arenas. Yeah. Um, with that courage muscle, I mean. Uh, so that's what I'm, I'm sticking with, and I feel like my my life is ripe for that right now. There's there's some larger pattern that's going on that mm, that you feel, are starting to feel ready to see. Yeah, and that there are aches and pains in my body, or certain muscles have been tight for a while. I'm like, what, what is that? I've tried chiropractic, I've tried massage, I've tried diet, and still persistent. Like something, mm, yeah, something that needs to be acknowledged or. Yeah. So, like, can I develop the courage in these other places that I can then build up this surplus to bring a sack of courage to whatever it is that's troubling me? Yeah. Or wanting to be acknowledged. Yeah. Cool. Internally. So that's cool. We'll see. To be continued. Yeah. Well, that's interesting too because that—that's like you don't even know what it is yet. That's right. So there's, that's tricky. Yeah. A vague sense of vague sense like of. I think something's there, so you almost have to just work on your courage, and then maybe once your courage is in the right spot. Yeah, I, for me, it's working on the courage, and then going and sitting and sitting quietly and waiting, whether that's in meditation or getting body work and having some somatic release, or yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, hopefully, listeners, there was something in there for you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. We just it's been a while. It's been a while, so we're happy to be back. And let's see the things. MonsterBabyPodcast.com. If you want to contact us, you can write us at info at MonsterBabyPodcast.com. And we have a retreat coming up in June, in just a few months from now. June 9th to the 14th. 9th to the 14th in Maine. So send all your East Coasters our way, and and uh, it's going to be great. It's a five-day, beautiful setting, delicious food, fun times. So I want you to join us. And uh, if you are a teacher, we have... Uh, professional development education credits you can get. We're, we're in the process of working on such credits for nurses and psychologists and counselors and healthcare, healthcare professionals. Folks. So we'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. Tune in and um, yeah, come out to San Francisco, visit us. We're traveling, so we won't be here, but <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll host you. We'll take you to a show. That's right. Come have a, a sit, mindfulness sit. We'll be quiet together. <laughs> yeah, and we will go out and take on the world together. <laughs> yeah. It's great. So anyway, uh, be well, people. Happy March. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.